Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined by legendary trainer and notorious truth teller, Teddy Atlas. We're coming to you today from Oxnard, California. Uh, before we dive into things, quick thank you to all the people who've subscribed and left reviews for the podcast and the YouTube show. It's a massive help to us. Uh, costs a lot of money to fly Teddy out here private from New York to L.A., um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't so do Teddy, that. I don't do that stuff. What brings us out to Oxnard? I'm here training a light heavyweight champ of the world that I'm fortunate enough to be uh, working with. We won the world title a couple months ago against Stevenson. Obviously, I can't say that without also saying that we pray that Stevenson continues to recover. He is recovering. That's the main thing. He got hurt in that fight. But... um I started training for that fight. That was December 1st on Showtime in Quebec. Uh, we beat Stevenson. Now we have to defend the title. Again, there's uh, the Alexander Vosik, and he lives here in Oxnard. He's from the Ukraine, like Lomachenko and like Yusik, his fellow countrymen who are also world champions. They must be drinking some kind of <laughs> special water over there because uh, they're doing pretty damn good. Uh, and they're also all Olympians. Uh, Lomachenko, two-time gold medalist, Yusek gold medalist, and uh, and of course my fighter Alexander uh, won the bronze medal in the 2012 games. We could talk more about that later on. Uh, he got robbed, <laughs> but uh, and that's not just saying it. I was working for NBC, so I saw it. But yeah, I'm out here. Alexander Vozik uh, lives out here with his family. And so we have a training camp here. That's where we are right now. We're in, it used to be Robert Garcia, the former world champion and trainer, who's a real good trainer. Uh, and he's got a real good fighter named Mikey Garcia, who's his brother, who's got a big fight coming up, obviously, um, against Spence. But we're, this used to be Robert Garcia's gym, and it got bought by Agus Clemens, who's the manager of Vozik, also Lomachenko, and also Yuzik. And um, matter of fact, I think he's got the best stable in the business right now, Agus uh, Clemens. But this is their gym now, and since we're out here, we, we didn't want to let too much time go by. Uh, I'm going to be here for eight weeks. We've been here two weeks already training Alexander. The first two weeks, I concentrate on just technique and teaching and conditioning. We'll start sparring in the third week, which will be Monday. But we've been here for two weeks. So far, so good. You always worry. Always worry. <laughs> you know, you got eight weeks to get it right. And you worry about all the moving parts, all the things floating around, the, the all the variables that can come from all kinds of directions. And you just hope that you get it right and you try to get it right with the balance of the physical part, the mental part, obviously, the technical part, everything. But uh, we're, we're here for eight weeks and figured we'd do a podcast from here. What the heck? Because otherwise we would have had to let two months go by before we do our second one. Yep. And you were bothering the hell out of me to, <laughs> to do another one. <laughs> you how did you how did you get connected with uh, Alex? Did he reach out to you? Did his manager reach out to you? What was the process like? Yeah, his manager reached out. Uh, Agus Clemens, who I just said, and he's also got, as I said, Lomachenko and all those guys. And he reached out to me. David Berlin, an attorney who's a friend of mine, uh, who works also with my charity foundation. Uh, just a good man. Man who's involved in 
boxing from the legal standpoint also matters a few fighters he's he also represents Agus uh, as an attorney and he they were looking to they were thinking about making a change and my name was put to them by David Berlin and Agus put it to the fighter Alexander and they made a decision to ask me to train them and before I would say yes I said let me spend a couple of days out here to meet him, see what kind of person he is. Mm -hmm. I saw what kind of person he was. Father, husband. Besides being the fighter that he is. And uh, I liked what I saw. I don't want to be around people I don't like. I had a higher tolerance uh, years ago. <laughs> I slipped through the cracks. I had a, no, no, you're good. You're good. I had a higher tolerance for uh, not top people. Yeah. And, you know, and... At this point in my life, I I just don't want to do this. If there's a lot of parts of this game I don't like, mm -hmm. the administrative part, the the promotional part, the just just a lot of the there's a lot of parts that uh, quite frankly hurt me, mm -hmm. and, um, bother me, uh, keep chase me sometimes. But I'm not perfect. But I but I try to be the best I can be, and uh, I I know what I what I want to be around now. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I want to be around decent people. And the only thing that still calls to me in this game is the teaching. There's a purity to the teaching. Look at this place. I mean, you, we come here when there's nobody here. Mm -hmm. That's part of the deal. Yeah. We train early before everybody comes. And this gym is called the Boxing Laboratory in Oxnard, California. Yeah, and we, we train when we're here alone, like we are now, and it's just me and the fighter, Who's, who's our assistant and, um, he's a good kid. He helps us out. When, when we're here alone, there's something special for the game still for me. Yeah. Being able to work with a fighter and see him improve, help him. Mm -hmm. Hey, look, before people say, oh, you know, you're helping, but you're helping you. Yeah, I'm helping myself too. Yeah. I'm helping my family. I'm helping myself, obviously. But if you can, there's, there's a certain privilege, there's a certain gift, there's a certain specialness in being able to teach and be able to help somebody and see right in front of you the improvement. Mm -hmm. And so when they came to me and asked me if I would train this fighter, as I said, I wanted to see what kind of person he was. I saw he was a good person. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to see, could I help him? I looked at tape, I said, I think I can help him. Yeah. He's, he's going to join us later, and we'll get his perspective on the uh, on that process. But can you talk to um, what does a typical day look like uh, in training camp? Well, I get up earlier than I get up at home. <laughs> but the fighter gets up at six. I have days that are designated for running. He gets up a little before six. Actually, he runs at six, and then I have a designated one days I want him to run. Usually, two days on, one day off. Mm -hmm. You don't, you know, it's not about throwing stuff against the wall and just saying, oh, just work, work. It, it, it's got to be regulated. It's mm -hmm. got to be monitored. You know, what's too much, what's too little. How far does he typically run? Well, I mean, again, is it for how a far duration? away is the fight? How far away is the fight? Yeah, yeah. You know, it depends where we are in training. Mm -hmm. You know, right now I got him going maybe three miles. Okay. But then some days maybe two and a half, some days maybe sprints. So we'll run, you know, two days on, two days off for the most part. Six in the morning, come back, eat his breakfast, take a rest, and uh, and then about eleven thirty, head over here to the gym. 
We're in here for like three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the first two weeks teaching. And and then we do that. And next week, we're, as I said, <coughs> we'll start the sparring. But there's, there's different kinds of training. And, you know, hey, you're in a real old-fashioned gym. You hear the wind blowing? You hear that? <laughs> Don't worry. That ain't nobody, you know, nobody's coming in here to box right now but <laughs> could you see that i was nervous no but the wind the wind <laughs> uh, it's just it's, and you see the mural here i mean you know these all the fighters there's, that some, robert, uh, there's some right, legends that, up there that robert garcia had yep. but we will we will train we'll train five six days a week in the gym mm-hmm. some days i'll give him off on saturday sometimes i think he needs the whole weekend to recuperate yeah. i want to keep him strong get strong stay strong and you want to make sure you don't peak too soon so, you know, you have to navigate all that stuff, regulate all that mm-hmm. stuff, monitor all that stuff. But a uh, typical day is you get to the gym, like I said, after the run in the morning, get to the gym, 12 o'clock. We'll do the floor work, we'll do the teaching, we'll do certain bag that I specify for that day mm-hmm. for the, that reason, you know, whatever it is. And um, shadow boxing, all, all the things that the general person would understand. and And then... At night, Tuesdays and Fridays, we do strength training. Mm-hmm. So I take them to a, to a fitness gym and we do weights mm-hmm. where I put them to a weight workout. But I interchange it every once in a while. Yeah. ESPN was just here for a couple of days. They're doing an all-access for that fight because it's March 30th on ESPN in Philadelphia. And so they were here shadowing us for a couple of days and they came to the pool last night because I interchanged the workouts of the strength training and, the, and I throw out a, a, a running day by putting in swimming. Mm-hmm. So we'll do a swimming workout once every other week. Uh, sometimes I, I look at the workout and I see what's going on. I might put it in twice. Yeah. You know, which I change it. I have the ability to change it depending on what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And um the the swimming workout is interesting. It's where you're using all your muscles. You're doing. Mm-hmm. He's a good swimmer, by the way. He's doing a doing a butterfly, doing a press stroke, doing a backstroke. To incorporate all yeah, all the freestyle, all the different, all the things I can't freaking do, you know. Yeah. But um, and and when he's good, um, that shows you that I'm a guy of the old fashioned stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't say, hey, you look like Phelps. You look like Mark Spitz. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mark Spitz, baby. Yeah. You know? I mean, to me, that's the guy. All those medals he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the other guys got... The mustache. More. I don't even think they wore goggles back then. That was the real deal, you know? I mean, yeah. no goggles. Um, so, we'll do the swimming workout. And like I said, ESPN was there last night following us around. And so we'll do the different different strokes for the different parts of the body, yeah. uh, the different muscle groups. And then he'll do where he'll dive underwater and hold his breath and do as far as he can yeah. uh, before submerging, you know, before, before he comes up for air. And obviously it's to enhance his capacity, the lung capacity to, to hold oxygen and to, you know, further help his endurance. Mm-hmm. So we do those drills. And then at the end, we do isometric drills where we have certain devices that he had made, you know, just to... to 
have friction with the water, you know, to have resistance with the water. Yeah. So he'll punch. It's kind of like the old-fashioned days where you heard about Rocky Marciano punching underwater and yeah. all that stuff. I don't know how he much of that. He was pretty good. He was, yeah, he wasn't bad. <laughs> and he was underrated. Yeah. I know that sounds funny for a guy 48 and old, yeah. uh, but he was underrated. A lot of people didn't give him credit. They just thought he was strong and he was he was tough and he had a good shit. No, he, he, he was much better uh, than people gave him credit for. And he and a lot of people said, "Oh, who did he fight?" Well, he fought the great Joe Walcott. You know, we're talking about Marciano. Uh, you, you're doing your magic. You're getting me to jump around. Uh, he he fought the great Ezra Charles. And then say, "Don't please don't tell me this guy's was small." Marciano, all the athletes were smaller than the football what, players. What size, everybody what was What size gloves were they using though? I think and, the gloves. And six was, ounce gloves. Yeah, you could yeah. punch in the face with a six yeah, ounce glove yeah. a few times, and you'd be but questioning mean, why they were continuing. A lot of people say, "Oh, he fought Walcott. He fought Ezra Charles when they were older." Guess what? That's when they were at their best. Mm. Well, at that age. Mm -hmm. At that age. Yeah. So yeah. And but Marciano was uh, was tremendous. He was underrated. Um, and those guys I just mentioned that he fought were were great. But Marciano, they used to talk about him doing workouts underwater. So we do that, but instead of the punching, we do it with a device where we just get resistance from the water going in different directions, you know, to improve his muscularity and obviously his endurance and his aerobic too. So we, we have all that stuff going on. And um, the diet, you know, we, we eat here. His wife is a great person and she brings a specially uh, cooked diet. For him. Do you so, oversee the diet or does he have a dietitian? Yeah, no, no. I, he had a dietitian that he set up uh, things with, but I make sure it's what it needs to be and it's common sense, you know, that he's getting the proper carbs and proteins and, you know, at the same time we're able to reduce weight in the proper uh, way, but do you oversee? Strength. Do you oversee the weight cutting process as well? Yeah. And, and um, what is he typically walking around at during camp, what's he start camp at and how much is it when, when he weighs in for the fans, you know, what's you, he weighing in at? You know, the funny thing is I want, sometimes his weight's not heavy enough. Yeah. You're walking around, well, I would say 85, 86, mm -hmm. fights at 175. Yeah. But sometimes uh, if we have a long camp, I might say, you know what, keep it around 88, 89. Yeah. And a lot of people out there listening are going to say, why? I want logs for the fire. Yeah. There's no fire without logs. You gotta have something to burn, really. So th that's all part of it, you know. You, you you gotta have something to burn for those eight weeks. Yeah. I don't want them coming in too light, you know. I don't even want them getting too light too soon. Yeah. You know, before the fight, because we still got training, you know. So you know, I, I laugh at some of these guys. Oh, you know, my guy made weight. Uh, Three weeks before the fight. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, that's why you were helping him walk into the ring. Yeah. Because he had no strength. That's, that's why he faded after five rounds, four rounds, three rounds. Because he made weight three freaking weeks for four. So, you know, so there is uh, some, there's a lot of good, smart people out there that understand how to do it. And that's part of the science. That's part of the understanding of the physiology of it. Um, but the most important thing is don't get hit. <laughs> In boxing, right? 
You don't yeah. want to get hit. I mean, that's the most important. Is, you know, because a lot of guys say, oh, you know, we did this with this, and we work with this guy, and we, we, we checked our, our blood every other day, and we had uh, 400 centigrees of this, <laughs> still and red. 452 uh, <laughs> millimeters of that, and, and we were doing this, uh, this uh, isolated machine with, where you could look at yourself as you were doing it backwards, and you could look at yourself upside <laughs> down and and from different side views and and it, it calculated your muscle input uh, by the average of the split millimeter of the second and and all this stuff right you hear about all like watching a rocky movie with the russian right yeah, yeah, yeah. you hear all that stuff but did he move his figure head <laughs> did he get did he get away from the left hook did he avoid the right hand <laughs> Did he take the jab away? Oh, well, that's something we're still working on. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know. So talk I mean, to me really. about the talk to me about the stresses of being in camp because I know when we've communicated, you seem like almost a like a different about. person when you're in camp versus not in camp. And I know from uh, speaking with you, it's like you're a very, very on edge, concerned, and maybe you can talk to that. Yeah, listen, there's a there's a lot to worry about. I mean, it's worrying time. You know, it's uh, concern time. There's a lot of concerns. It's like being a parent again. Yeah. You know, you. I mean, you gotta. You can't do nothing if you don't have the right fighter, and you can't do nothing if the fighter isn't a good student. And at the end of the day, doesn't listen and is not coachable, and doesn't trust you. He has to trust you. Complete, unequivocal trust, and um. When he gives that to you, well, that's when the fright begins yeah, yeah. for me because uh, you don't want to let down or fail that trust. You want to live up to it. You want to. You, you don't want to. Uh, you want to make sure that you know that you don't betray that. Mm. And I feel it. That's all. I feel it. You know. I feel it every day. And and there's so many, as we were touching on before, there's so many variables, there's so many X factors, there's so many things floating in the air. I mean, how do you control all those things? Guy getting sick? Well, hopefully not. But uh, there's that, there's, there's, you know, so many things going on that, that you can't control. And, you know, you, you try to control everything you can and you try to make the right decisions, the right choice, and every day I go to bed, did I make the right choice today? Did I make the right decision? Will I make the right decision tomorrow? You know, and you trust your judgment and your eyes and your experience and, you know, all those things. But uh, you want to, you, you don't know. You're putting a jigsaw puzzle together. You got all these pieces and you're putting them together and you don't know until finally at the end if a piece is out of place or not. Yeah. At the end, you don't want to be like, Oh, where, where did that piece come from? <laughs> hope, uh, you know, I mean, at the end, you want to hope that you get the picture right. Yeah. And you got to put together right. And you don't know till you know. Yeah, I think and, a lot of people would be surprised to see how worried, not worried in the sense of like worried about um, losing, but just concerned you are about getting your end of the uh, deal right in terms of, training him and giving him all the tools he needs to I don't want to fail his trust. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail his trust though. And um you know there's listen there's other I'm human there's other elements out there you know 
They hate to let uh, all the haters out there get their knives. You know the <laughs> knives are sharp already, right? You know, right? Oh, no, yeah, and, believe and, me. You I know, know what I mean? The bowl is pulled back. <laughs> <laughs> They're just waiting to release it. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm human. I, yeah. I could stand here and say, oh, that stuff don't bother me. I don't. No, listen, you feel it. Yeah. But I feel it less because I am internet ignorant. <laughs> I heard about this thing called the internet. Sweeping <laughs> <laughs> the nation. And, you know, and so that helps me. Yeah. I'm not an ostrich. I'm not pur really purposely putting my head in the sand to yeah. avoid things. I just don't know. So it's, what is that old saying? Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah. True. True. Well, we're, Sometimes we're gonna, it works. Sometimes we're going to talk more about Alex when he joins us. And the last part I was oh, saying about that. No, no. The last part I say is I don't want my family hurt. Yeah. And if, if we fail, they get hurt. Yeah. Too. Because they, they feel what I feel. Yeah, yeah. So all those things, you know, that's all. But at the end of the day, I know that I'm blessed. I know that I'm privileged to have this opportunity to do those things. And who was the genius who said pressure is a privilege? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get more into Alex when he joins us on the show, but I wanted to talk to you about um, some upcoming... We're going to talk about one upcoming fight, and then we'll talk about some recent fights. But one in particular is... Uh, I noticed. Anyone ever tell you you look like... Okay, you're great. I love you. You know that. I love you. Yeah. And, and you're in great shape. Look at you. It's unbelievable. You run how many miles a day? How 10 many? to 15. Uh, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You're I'm 65 years old. You overtrained, by the way. You think I overtrained, but no, when no, you look no, at the guys who great. are winning the big marathons, no. they're running 120 to 140 miles a week. And yes. I always say to everyone, everything in life is relative. That's true. There's levels That's to true. everything. Very true. But you look great. and um, But you have that... that I don't know, those movies, those those college sweater movies, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just saying, like... Uh, like a special shout-out to Tom Brown for the uh, wardrobe. No, it's nice, <laughs> My I'm good just friend. saying. <laughs> uh, but the ones, like, they have to see on... on yeah. uh, <laughs> like a college uh, varsity sweater? Yeah, like, or the road team. Yeah. The, the road team. This the, is keeping people <coughs> off balance when they see me. Oh, look at this nerd in the cardigan sweater. And yeah. then when they get their hands down, boom. Yeah, well, that's... Surprise. Are you a southpaw? Because you're, <laughs> you're like with the right hand. Let's go. Let's move forward. All right, all right. Let's talk about the... Uh, a lot of the feedback on the comments had to do with um, Anthony Joshua, the heavyweight division. <laughs> the Brits were up in arms saying that they have a lot of um, sports stars, not just Anthony Joshua. But it was just announced that he's going to fight. Upset, I heard, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I don't see it. Little bit. I don't see it. So the they guy can't get from to me. The, the doorman at the King King's Arms called me on the phone. It was like, when I see you, I'm gonna put a foot up your ass. And I was like, oh <laughs> man, take it easy. It was Teddy, not me. <laughs> I didn't even see, but at least we found out confirmation there yeah. was a King's Arms. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 good. That's one way to figure those things out. But listen, I know they got other stars over there. Please, you you. <laughs> Good Brits over there, <laughs> across a pond. <laughs> I'm. I don't mean to. I didn't mean in any way to to hurt you or insult you. Not at all. I really mean it. Yeah. I, but really, uh, snooker, soccer. <laughs> I mean, I know the NFL goes over there a couple yeah. of times a year now, yeah, but yeah. it's not your game. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got Lewis Hamilton, the Formula listen, One driver. I, I know. Uh, do they get cricket? Is cricket over there? 
I think they're still playing cricket, the Brits. I mean, I, and Polo. I think, I think India's probably Polo, still Polo. beating them up. <laughs> Polo's big, yeah. Uh, all right. I mean, I'm, listen, I'm not into those shorts yeah. that much, but <laughs> I'm just saying that, listen, I know that they have great, uh, so, but they don't have, let's, let's be honest, they don't have the NBA, they don't have the NFL, they, you know. No they, Tom Brady. Really? They don't have Tom Brady. You know, they don't have Stephon Curry. They don't have LeBron James. They don't have Tiger Woods. I mean, I know they have some good golfers, and I'm being very serious now. But, but I'm just saying, on the whole, there's less to compete against. That's not a truth. Yeah. That's not a truth. There's less to compete against. So it's a little compete against. So there's a little bit easier to develop stars over there because you're not competing against all these guys that I just mentioned. Yeah. That's all. Have a cup of tea and relax. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, speaking of um, big stars, Anthony Joshua has just announced he's going to fight uh, Gerald Big Baby Miller at Madison Square Garden on June 1st. And I thought that that was interesting because and, and one of the thing, one of the comments that I took a lot of heat for on the last show was saying that there's no one that I would be interested in seeing Anthony Joshua fight other than Fury or Wilder. And that's not true. I, I mistakenly left off uh, Jarrell Miller. I'm actually looking forward to this fight. This is like really got my attention. I'm surprised that Anthony Joshua, because he could easily bring Miller to um, Wembley and sell it out. But he's coming to Madison Square Garden, I think, to make his American debut, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he's fought in the U.S. yet. So they're going to fight on June 1st at MSG. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that one. That looks like a good matchup. Um, I'm excited to see that fight. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's not a million guys out there in heavyweight division to fight right now. He's yeah. got a good record, right? Yeah. His body doesn't get me, like, you know, ready to go to the box office. I mean, yeah. not that you can go by the body all the time, but yeah. he reminds me of a Tony Tubbs yeah. a little bit, I think. And no pun That's intended. That's yeah. his real name, <laughs> no Tubbs, <laughs> right? But, you know, soft. And uh, But Tubbs had quick hands and was a good amateur and, you know, knew how to box. And Miller, Miller looks that way. Yeah. Um, but he does have that soft body. I'm sure that Joshua paid attention to that in his training team. And again, that can be deceiving. I get it. I've seen a lot of heavy guys. It's funny. We could do a show on that one day, yeah. in all seriousness, where heavy guys that really had real fast hands. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I'll go back to Buster Mathis. Uh, yeah. You guys out there, you're paying attention? <laughs> you remember that? I mean, he beat Joe Frazier in the Olympic trials, by the way, and then uh, he broke his hand, and Joe Frazier wound up going to the Olympics, and careers changed mm -hmm. because he won, he won the gold medal, and he went on to be heavyweight champion. Buster Mathis did not, mm -hmm. and matter of fact, got knocked out by Joe Frazier in the pros, but he beat him in the amateurs. Um, but, you know, Buster Mathis, a lot of different guys are heavy and they have fast hands. It's funny. It's a, it's a, I've, I've seen that consistently and uh, it's almost like it's a genetic thing it's 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 funny um but yeah he hasn't really fought i know he's got a good record Miller, but he hasn't really fought anyone he yeah. fought a a used up adamac who used to be cruiserweight champ mm -hmm. but he but he's he was way past his prime yeah and um i think he had 58 fights when they fought 53 yeah, and five maybe yeah. that's so, a lot of know, experience yeah i mean he was way past his prime and uh, as i said he was a cruise at his best he was a cruiserweight <laughs> adamac and um listen uh, there's you have to have guys to plug in yeah and you have to have something you can sell. 
You sell a record, you sell something. You know, Miller likes to be a little boisterous, so that helps a little bit. I'm sure when they get here, the press conferences will be lively enough too. Yeah, for sure. Don't he's think very, that's I think he's pretty well spoken. He's, yeah. he's 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 he knows how to. He gets it. He knows how to promote the fight. I think. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we'll see how competitive it is. I don't know yeah. um, that it will be. Or but listen, I, I, I add this to it. Joshua has enough. He's he's not not nobody's invincible. So let me qualify that. But Joshua has enough flaws, kinks in the armor that you you can't just say, well, there's no chance because you know even though he he looks like an Adonis and everything else, and he's a gold medalist and all that. He lost to in the uh, oh God. the Brits ain't gonna like this. <laughs> Where's my advisor? He's Rob, supposed change to my name, Where's change my all my social media handles. To talk to me before I open my mouth. <laughs> where, where, is that, where is that guy? All right. So I did the Olympics, uh, four Olympics for NBC, and then the one in 2012 in London. Yeah. Joshua won a gold medal. He lost to the Italian. Yeah. He lost to him. Uh, I, I, I caught the fight. But he, there was no way he was losing in London. Mm -hmm. All right? What, what do you think? They we're going to... Go back and you know talk about the snooker champion. No, they wanted an <laughs> Olympic heavyweight champ. If they were going to host the Olympics, right? They were going to have an Olympic heavyweight champ. Yeah, and they did. And there was uh, a lot of controversy you know, at that they, Olympic Games between yeah, well, Azerbaijan. Always. Yeah. Yeah, they were paying off for for gold That's medals. That's a topic for a whole other show. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, the point is that he's got flaws, and he. He looks good. You know, you put him in with the right guy, he's he's going to excel. Uh, he's undefeated. He puts a lot of fannies in, uh, in the seats, you know, 90,000, 100,000 people over there. It's incredible. He's good for boxing. Uh, he, he handles himself outside the ring, talks like a gentleman. Uh, he, he's all good. It's all good, you guys. Um, but... He part of the interest where we could even talk about this is that again, he's not Tyson when Tyson was Tyson. Yeah. He doesn't right. have that feel to him. Yeah. You know, uh, he does stand up straight. He is predictable. He is one dimensional. Again, I'm not knocking him. Can I just do my job? <laughs> because I can hear the haters. Or I hear it. No. I hear it. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can. You can. You know. You don't look at the internet. I do. If there's 200 positive comments and one negative. That's the only one I see. <coughs> well, I mean, they haven't seen that sweat. <laughs> Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> keep subscribing, people out there, because really, we appreciate it, and we try to keep doing what we do, which is tell you what we really feel, tell you the truth, what we believe to be the truth, and not really not influenced by anything else, really, agendas or any of that stuff that's out there. Uh, anyway, to follow up on the um, Miller and Anthony Joshua fight, I'm looking forward to seeing the winner yeah. of that fight, the winner of um, Fury and Wilder. Any I hope event that happens. in Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden is supposed to have heavyweight title fights. Yeah. So maybe that's the best way I can top this mm -hmm. subject off. Yeah. Supposed mm -hmm. to have heavyweight yeah. title fights. And we're, we're having one. Yeah. And he's a heavyweight champ. Mm -hmm. And that's good. That's good. So let's talk about some of the recent fights, and one in particular that I want to speak to you um, 
was interesting to me in the uh, welterweight, welterweight division, which is really deep. And uh, you and I had spoken about this a couple of weeks ago before the fight, uh, Keith Thurman and Jose Zito Lopez. And I had said like, oh, I think that on paper, this looks like a um, tune-up fight. Lopez looks like an opponent. And you had said to me, like, don't underestimate Lopez. He's a tough, tough guy. You've called a lot of his fights. And uh, I think he shocked a lot of people, including Thurman. But I'd be curious to hear from you if you think that Jose uh, Lopez, Jose Zito Lopez came in underestimated, or do you think uh, Thurman just had two years of ring rust, or how did you see the fight? A combination of things. First of all, I'll start by saying if Lopez was a puncher, he would have won. Oh, for sure. He had him hurt bad. Uh, you know, he throws arm punches. And he's moving up in weight. Yeah. All right? He's not a real welterweight. The other guy, Thurman's on forward. And I love Thurman. But he's been inactive for a couple of years. Yeah. I'm going to throw it all at you. He's been inactive for a few years. He's made a lot of money. Yeah. In a short period, Haven did a great job with him, mm. uh, making money. Uh, that, that, that's in the air. Yeah. That's in the air. I'm not taking nothing away from Lopez. But let's get down to what people aren't talking about. The technical part. It would not have become competitive, no matter what. No matter he overlooked him, ring rust, made too much money. I think that's all part of it. Made money, it's not no urgency anymore. I think that was part of it. Yeah. But all of that, all of that, throw it in the pot. But if he didn't have this technical flaw pulling straight back, where he got so in love with his legs, where somebody needs to explain to these guys, there's one of the things in this place, in his ring here, the squared circle, this chamber of truth, that, that uh, stuff comes to you pretty fast, pretty damn fast if you're doing things wrong. One of the things is your legs are great, like Ali, if you're using them at the right distance. Like if you use them, keep guys off balance. Like we used them against Stevenson, quite frankly. Yeah. We we tried to do a good job with that against a great puncher. Stevenson, oh, my God. I mean, I think he's one of the greatest punchers in the history of the sport. Yeah, that's how hard I think Stevenson oh. punched and uh, with the left hand. Uh, but definitely the hardest punch in the game right now, him and Wilder. Mm. But... You, we wanted to use our legs, get angles, and you always hear that, get angles, get angles, do all that. And, but you can keep a guy off and you can use it for defensive purposes. But once a guy closes the gap, once he crosses that imaginary line where if he crosses it, he's close enough to touch you, mm -hmm. you can't use your legs. Mm. So a lot of people don't know that. They think, oh no, the legs are still getting, no. No, that gets you in trouble. Because now if you keep using your legs and he closes that gap, your head is stationary. Mm. Your head's not moving. It's right there. So once he closes that line, that gap, and your head is still there, and he's close enough where your legs can't help you, he can hit you. You're straight up. You're a sitting duck. You're a stationary target. A lot of people don't understand that. And so that's kind of what happened. Thurman's using leg, keeping him off balance, pot shotting, beautiful, beautiful at the right distance. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the distance closed, and now he's using his legs, but he's just moving where the head's still there. Yeah. And you're close enough to touch the head. Mm -hmm. And he got caught over and over, never got corrected, yeah. over and over and over. Now, how did he get himself in that? Hey, Ollie, how'd we get into this pickle? Remember? remember <laughs> Remember that? You remember those guys? Yeah. They they were funny. Yeah. It was old television yeah. stuff, you know. Uh, so 
Anyway, so we, we we was our computer guys. We don't have that like we had last time, right? <laughs> where where all of a sudden well, we, we could put Tom Cruise clips. up there. You now can't in, handle the truth. Yeah, but now yeah. we're in the chamber of truth. You don't want the truth. I, you need me on that wall. <laughs> so I like that stuff. I yeah, do. Yeah. I love it. So anyway, so, you know, how did he get in this pickle? How did he get in that pickle where he was going to go? Well, I'll tell you how. Probably made too much money. Probably assumed that this guy was just an opponent, which he was supposed to be. And dropped him in the second round, boxing his ears off, picking his spots. And he had two choices. Ken, he had two choices. Finish him when he had him hurt. You know, I know he hurt him at the end of the round, but I'm just saying. And if he didn't hurt, timing is everything. If he hurt him a little early, he probably knocks him out. Yeah. <laughs> but to Lopez's credit and to his trainer's credit, they, they, they stayed in there. They stayed in there and they, they, they didn't give in. But when he was hurting him, when he was hitting him in the body, putting water in the basement, boxing circles around him, pop, 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 doing whatever he wanted, looking really good. He had opportunities to take it to the next level. Instead of going out and leaving him alone, stay on him. Finish him. Finish him. I'm going to say to you that if that was four years ago, before he made money, he finishes him. Mindset is different. Mm -hmm. Urgency is there. People call it hunger. They call, call whatever you want. But there, was, there, there would have been an urgency. I, I, I didn't get to where I want to get to yet. Yeah. I got to freaking get there. Now there's a comfort zone. It's like, I don't have to finish him. First of all, he's an opponent. Maybe I'll get some rounds. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. But you know what? I, I, I don't have to finish him. I'm okay. You know, it's not urgent. It's not urgent anymore. Really? Urgency. That's what I thought when urgency I was watching it. It's good in life. It's good in life. Yeah. And it's necessary. Sometimes it's more than necessary. Sometimes it's everything. Sometimes it's everything. So here he is, you know, hurts him, makes a decision. We make decisions in life at that moment, right? Mm -hmm. And now I'm just going to play around. That's what I thought. I thought he was getting rounds yeah, and, and, yeah. and wasn't closing the show. Because, and he left because a dangerous he guy Because he didn't there. feel he had to at that point yeah. in his life. Yeah. And so <clears throat> a combination of, of that, you know, people want to say ring rust. Um, I, I don't, the ring rust didn't show itself. The bad habit showed itself, I just explained, but the ring rust didn't show itself. Ring rust mentally? Hey, how about that? Not just physical. <laughs> how about Ring Rust mentally? Where, you know, he forgot how to act like a fighter when you hurt a guy. How about that, Ring Rust? Yeah. Uh, you know, so all of those things conspired to give him and his corner a frightening night, you know, all of a sudden. You know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a, 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 a layup. Uh, became, you know, all of a sudden a disaster. It was supposed yeah. to be a slam dunk. Yeah. All of a sudden it was pretty scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's another example of an opponent that uh, had different ideas, and we'll get into that in a minute, but I just wanted to get your thoughts quickly on the Javante Davis and Hugo Ruiz fight. Um, 
Davis finished him quickly in the first round. And then um, afterwards, I, I bring that fight up because we're here at the boxing laboratory, uh, home of Lomachenko. And um, that fight looks to me to make the most sense coming up is uh, at some point, Javante Davis and uh, Lomachenko. And it was interesting that after the fight, when the reporters were asking um, Davis about the fight, that his promoter Floyd Mayweather jumped in and almost refused to let uh, Davis answer any questions, almost like a combination of he was trying to protect him and um, he couldn't stand to see someone else get the spotlight for a minute. And, uh, you know, he said, why should we fight Lomachenko? Lomachenko's just getting older. There's other fights we can make the same amount of money fighting a bunch of other Floyd guys. Floyd was always smart. <laughs> no, no, that's where we missed the boat yeah. on Floyd. We talk about the fighter he was. How about the manager that he was Yeah, it still is? How about that? Mm. How about the smart, brilliant manager, businessman that he is, picking his spots, picking the right fights, getting the maximum dollar? You know, some of it had with the stars, had to do with the stars lining up perfectly in this game at this time with the Pacquiao fight to get a fight that was more money than any fight up to that point in the history of the sport, which is just incredible, yeah. unheard of, just unfathomable at the time. But um, but he's he's a good manager. Yeah, and you know he 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 knows what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. He knows that for that kid Lomachenko, as good a puncher as Davis is, and he's one of the best punchers in the game. He's that good a puncher. No, punchers, yeah. yeah, punches are born; they're not made. Mm -hmm. He's a puncher, no doubt about it. But Lomachenko is kind of like that skull co collector on the Predator. That collects all those skulls. <laughs> they were good punches too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, no, you know those that chain of skulls is it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and all those guys when they were their, when they were attached to their bodies, <laughs> they were good punches. Yeah, he took them apart. He took them apart. He took them apart. I think that his last two opponents quit in the ring, right? Quit in between well, rounds. Last two, but. Uh, uh, two prior, yeah, two prior last, to the last, last one. Yeah, last one went to this. <coughs> but, yeah, yeah, I mean, he, listen, not only just guys, one of them happened, one of them happened to be Nicholas Walters, who was a tremendous puncher, looked like a tremendous fighter, tremendous champion, undefeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he made him quit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is he's not making uh, opponents quit. He was fighting real contenders, real champions, and uh, they were uh, retiring in between rounds. It was... I think it was two in a row. Unbelievable. It, yeah, and the other one uh, was the Southpaw Cuban, who was also a two-time gold medalist. Rigondeaux. Now, Rigondeaux was out of his weight class. He was yeah. older. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, but he was sure. undefeated and tremendous fighter. Tremendous defensive fighter, tremendous counter-puncher, real good real puncher. Slick. Real good puncher, too. Uh, real good body puncher. Yeah. You know, but uh, again, I, I said it. I, I'm I'm putting it there before you guys. You know, put those quills back. Put those arrows back in the quill. <laughs> put them back. Put them back. I know Rigondeaux is older. I get it. Moved up in weight. Gotcha. But he's still, you know, he was still undefeated fighter, and uh, Lomachenko took him apart and yeah. broke him down. Yeah. You know why he makes guys quit? Because he takes their hope away. Yeah. You could be in a war and getting hit and beat up. And say, oh, wow. Oh. And, but at least there's hope. But when you can't hit a guy, where's the hope? Yeah. When there's no hope, there's no will. 
And the way is there's no will, there's no body. It disappears. Yeah. And that's what, that's the magic. That's the formula of how Lomachenko does it. And um, so, yeah, it would be great to see that fight. Pure power against, you know, the, the scientist Lomachenko. You know, Davis, pure power against, uh, against Lomachenko's genius uh, in, in all the facets that he brings a genius to the game. But uh, like Floyd said, it's probably too soon for him yeah. to be jumping into those waters right now. But Davis, Davis is a puncher, I tell you. He, he, can, he can bang. Listen, that's also put in properly perspective who he knocked out. He knocked out a guy who had been knocked out three times. Guy who's it was not, a last-minute uh, replacement yeah. maybe with a week or two to go. Guy was knocked out yeah. four times now. Yeah. And a guy who used to be like uh, a super flyweight. Yeah. Uh, like what is that? 112 pounds or something, uh, and and he moved all the way up, you know, gradually. But he moved all the way up to to lightweight. Uh, what is Davis Junior lightweight? So yeah, so you're talking about uh, a smaller guy who uh, who already been stopped several times, and he you know he got fed to the lions. Yeah. And look, Davis still had to go do it. So again, I okay. But I was he, really but, looking forward to seeing him fight Abner Mares, uh before Mares had to pull out, I think maybe with a detached retina or some problem Mares with his eye. has a lot of miles on that old dominant, yeah. but he's a tough guy. He's experienced. And, and he's, he's experienced. Tough. He was an Olympian, too. He's an experienced guy. He's got the pedigree behind him with the amateurs, everything. Uh, that was a good guy. matchup. He, yeah, it would be a good matchup. You're right. Uh, he would have to survive the early rounds against Davis. Yeah. You know? And It'd be he, interesting to see Davis in the late those, rounds. Those... Those deep waters that yeah. people love to say, you know, deep waters. <laughs> well, listen, I've been dying to talk to you about this one since I saw it, I think, two weeks ago. Alberto Machado against Andrew Cancio. All this right. fight right. was unbelievable. This was the real, I'm going to let you finish, but I just got to interject one thing. This is a real Rocky story. Oh, I know. No, I'm no, gonna, no. Gonna, <laughs> freak Rocky Balboa. I mean, this the, the Rocky Balboa is cool. I mean, don't, but yeah. this is a real Rocky story. Oh, yeah. And, and he is the definition for something that become, has become too much of a cliche. Hungry fighter. Cancio. Uh, what's his, how do you pronounce his friend? Cancio. Cancio. Hungry fighter. He is the definition. The, the definition, hungry fighter, retired. Let me, let retired, me bring everyone up to speed working, on this one. Working a job as, in a, for a gas company. <laughs> he retired. His family talked him into coming back. So he, Cancio had a, had a decent pro career, had a couple losses, but he finally got a title shot, a, a junior title shot, I think maybe the NABF against Jojo Diaz. He lost about two plus years ago. He retired. He took a job at SoCal Gas. He was literally jackhammering concrete on the roads. Gets called up to fight Alberto Machado, uh, Puerto Rican kid, I think from, uh, Golden Boy promoted fighter. I mean, it was a classic example of Cancio being brought in as an opponent. Um, and, and in the first round, Machado looked great. He dropped him with a beautiful uppercut. Uh, Cancio took the full eight count on his knee. He got up, shook it off. I mean, it looked in the first round. And Machado's round, trained by the great Freddie Roach. Freddie Roach. It looked to me like Machado was going to like hurt him. And, but Cancio had other ideas. He came back. He was, he fought like an, like, 
unbelievably, and he closed the show in the fourth round with body shots. I mean, he put so much punishment on Machado. It was unbelievable. But this dude, That's he took Cancio because after really, the he's fight, my admiration. After the fight, someone asked him what he's going to do to celebrate, and he said, I'm probably going to have to buy egg sandwiches for the crew when I go back to work on Tuesday. They gave me an extra day off, and he used his vacation time to take the fight, to train trained while he was working full-time. It was a classic, like you said, Rocky moment. The guy was literally jackhammering roads two story. weeks before the fight and now he's the world champion and it was so legitimate it was so sincere it was so pure you don't get that you, oh, i broke down in tears stuff, it was but the tears the real tears the real yes. you know sometimes you see a guy after he does a moment like that he's almost waiting like telling him tears come on tears yeah you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm taking nothing away. I mean, I'm sure, me, but tears, tears, because this is the moment I got yeah, yeah. tears. I need them. For the cameras. But, but a little bit, like like looking for it, yeah. like waiting for it. But there was no waiting for this. This was oh. boom, boom, because it was real. And it was everything you just said and everything I just said. And listen, there were technical flaws in Machado. Um, I noticed his jab's too slow, the southpaw jab. And he beat a southpaw, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the southpaw jab, and so he was getting countered with hooks right over. Technical flaws. I mean, mm -hmm. you got to correct those things. And geography. Geography. Where are we? We're in California. Rob comes from New York. So he's out of his geography right now, <laughs> right? And Machado is out of his geography. Fights are about geography. Fight the fight in the geography of the ring that's right for you. Machado's geography was taller, he's longer. He's supposed to be on the outside. He allowed it to get on the inside. He allowed Concio to get close, to get into his wheelhouse, to get to where his strengths could mean something, that he could punch, that he could bang to the body, that he could get into him. He's a shorter guy, he, shorter arms. He needed to have the geography that was good for Cancio was close. The geography that was supposed to be good and would have been good for Machado was outside, distance. Cancio won the battle of geography, and he won the fight. Geography is so important. It was such a perfect story because he's uh, from Blythe, California, and they were fighting down out in uh, Indio, California, and um, he had literally probably every friend in the world at the fight. You know, at, in the first round, I was like, "Oh, poor guy, probably he's gonna like get dropped." <laughs> probably gonna get dropped in the first round. Looks like he's gonna get knocked out early, but man, like you said, it was better than it was better than a movie based on uh, reality. It was so, real. Oh, it was so real. I, I, You're I, so I, right. I had it recorded. I made my wife come back in and watch it. She was like, man, this is a good good fight. It was... Uh, Took two years off. I mean, it's oh, just incredible. 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 And I'm sure the Machado camp thought they were going to run right through him. It was interesting to see Oscar and uh, Bernard Hopkins in the um, ring afterwards, how they handled it. They handled it like gentlemen, but it was just interesting to see the awkwardness that was going on in the ring when they were like, uh, now what? We didn't, we didn't plan on this, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was one of those uh, beautiful moments that boxing can bring you. Well, and one I hate so much, that's why it's hard for me to come back to train fighters. Mm -hmm. And it takes a special situation to bring me back. I hate the administration of this sport. I love the sport. I love the fighters. I hate everything else. You know what I love? I love that.
I love that life when it's unfair. This kid's working a gas car. Hey, listen, he's got a life, he's got a family, so I don't mean it that it's unfair that yeah. way. Thank God he can do those things, but he's busting his freaking rear end working on the road in the gas company, and he's got to retire, and he, his career doesn't look like it's going anywhere, and he's got a family and, you know, everything else, and life's a little tougher than it might be down the road for someone else, you know, but he's not complaining about it, but life sometimes can be rough. It can sometimes even be unfair, and... He didn't have the powerhouse behind him. He didn't have the promotional. He didn't have the, you mentioned the name, Golden Boy. He didn't have all that stuff behind him. Okay. So you want to say life's not fair, maybe a little bit? Whatever. This is what's beautiful about this sport. This is why it's still beautiful for me when I can be alone in the gym, away from all the crap. Because on one given night, if you're determined enough, if you train hard enough, if you're prepared enough, if you care enough, if you're ready enough, you can get in that ring and you can even the playing field. You can make life fair. On one given night, with all that, no matter who your parents were, no matter where, what they went through, no matter where you came from in the world, no matter your race, your creed, your religion, anything, no matter what, one given night, you can get in that ring. You can be called champion of the world. Wow. Such a good story. Wow. <clears throat> and make life fair. Nowhere you know, else. Nowhere else can that be done. You know what that fight reminded me of? Um, I forget the year, but I had worked in the uh, House of Correction in Massachusetts with Mickey Ward for a few years as uh, correction officers. And I think his brother Dickie Eklund might have been an inmate there at the time. And uh, I tuned in one night to HBO fights and I see Mickey Ward fighting Arturo Gotti. And my first reaction was like, oh, my God. I mean, I knew him working at the when we were working at the jail together. He was fighting at like nightclubs. All of a sudden he's on HBO in the main event against Arturo Gotti. Naturally, I thought, oh, it must be brought in to be an opponent. And uh, obviously he had other ideas and he, it was just like a classic example of uh, styles make fights and his style just was unbelievable, perfectly matched up to um, take advantage of some opportunities with Gotti. And I mean, cause on paper you would, like I said, he looked like the consummate opponent. And uh, I caught he, a lot of his fights on ESPN yeah. over the years, a lot of them. He's a super nice guy. Yeah, oh, he's a terrific kid. He comes to my foundation yeah. dinner all the time. Terrific kid. Yeah, super nice. And um, they did a good job with that movie on his life. Yeah, The Fighter, I, yeah, with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. That was one of the good ones. Yeah. One day we're going to talk about, hey, guys, paying attention. One day we're going to talk about the best boxing movies ever made. Okay. How about, yeah, we'll do that. All right. Yeah, we'll do that one day. We, we got a lot of stuff we could do, but... That that was done well. Mark Wahlberg and mm -hmm. you know, um they did a really they did a really good uh Christian Bale played his brother. Yeah, you know, who had a lot of problems, yeah. drug problems, you know, very honest about yeah. it and everything else. And Dick uh his brother Dick, he he fought Sugar Ray Leonard in amateurs. A lot of people don't realize that. You know what I, I mean? He he was a good, he was I a good, think he fought him in the pros in, 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 was it in at the, the Boston pros? Garden. Yeah, I think so, yeah. At yeah, the, in the pros, Garden. you're probably right. But he fought Sugar Ray Leonard, who, who to me fits in any ever. He's one of the great fighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great fighters. But, you know, he, uh, 
The funny thing, Mickey is such a sort of dirt type kid, you know, very honest. And even if it's at his detriment, he's going to be, he's that guy that you yeah. appreciate because you can be honest. He's going to give you, you know, the, the stuff because of the reasons we can give you stuff. And uh, I remember when I saw him after that, I was talking to him about the movie, saying congratulations, yeah. a nice movie. How, how do you, you know, how do you like it? And... Uh, you remember the with his brother, you know, with with all the stuff that was yeah. the drama with everything with the drugs and yeah, everything. Yeah. So, uh, so I said, and only Mickey would be this honest. Yeah. He said, I said, how do how do you like it, uh, Mick? He says, I don't remember Dickie jumping out that many windows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Mickey, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so boom, so yeah. straight, you know? Yeah. You know what made him, his determination, his toughness, all that stuff, his chin, we understand all that, but it was his left hook to the liver. Oh. No, that's, I mean, oh, that's what did it. unbelievable. That's what did it. And he was willing to get that's hit with a lot of fire. shots. That's what put him out of the fire. Yeah. He was willing to take a I'm lot gonna, of shots to throw that body I'm gonna shot. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm calling one of his fights somewhere in Massachusetts. ESPN. Years ago. I don't know how many years, 15 years now. I don't even know. So I'm calling one of his fights. And he's getting punched from pillar to post. And he's, I mean, he's getting destroyed. By I think the fighter's name was Green. I'm not positive. Anyway, it's a one-sided fight. And it looks like there's no hope. And I happen to be lucky enough, as I'm doing the commentating, to say there's still a chance here. The chances he's got to land his vaunted left hook to the body, but he's throwing it the wrong way. Mm. So my co-guy, you know, who was doing a blow-by-blow, said, what do you mean, Ted? I said, well, instead of throwing it the traditional way, you know that old saying, more ways to want to skin a cat? Yeah. Very true. <laughs> instead of throwing it the traditional way, this way, I said, he's got to change the, the angle of it to throw it this way, like an uppercut to the body. Throw it this way instead of this way because it's being blocked by the elbow, being thrown this way. I'm telling you, it was like like casting said, kill that. I mean, it was one of those <laughs> magical, you know, just I got lucky. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, within seconds, Mickey changes the angle of the hook and he throws it in there. And oh, and the guy is frozen yeah. and goes from being punched from pillar to post where now he's he's hunting this guy down destroying this guy and he pulls the fight out of the fire yeah. unbelievable so one of the newspaper writers a great writer friend of mine great writer from you you should know it because it's from that area that neck of the woods he's a tremendous football and boxing writer probably the one of the best boxing writers in the game but and you don't have too many left anymore you know you have all the internet stuff but yeah. you know real writers for papers but and also a great, great football writer who are uh, talking about honesty. He'd go up against the great Bill Belichick and call him out on things. Yeah. Ron Borges. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So great writer. So he's up there. So he, he wants to interview me. He wants to get my view on it. So um, I caught the fight for ESPN. I get off there. And so Ron comes over. Teddy, can we do an interview? Can I talk to you about this? Sure, of course. He says, just tell me. What do you... What did you see? What does this make you think about this fight? I said, you know what? 
It makes me think about the first time you went to the zoo. He said, the zoo? I said, yeah. The first time you went to the zoo, what do you want to see? What does every kid want to see? The lion. <laughs> so the kid goes to the zoo the first time. He's never seen a lion before. So he's walking, he's walking up to the pathway, you know, walking through, you know, past the pelicans, you know, like, hey, pelican, pelican, <laughs> nice little pelican. Walking past the pelicans, right? You know, all that. And going past all the smaller stuff, right? You know, the, the cockadoos, right? Whatever they and, and different things here and there, you know? And all of a sudden, around the bend, he hears something. <laughs> <laughs> but he has to tell the kid. The kid's seven years old, six yeah. years old, five years old, eight years old, whatever. No one has to tell him. That's the lion. No one has to tell him. Turns to a corner, and of course, he's there. That's the lion. That's a fighter. That's how he wrote his story, just like that. That's how I said it. If you've never been to a fight before, and it's the first time you walked into an arena, and the first time you laid your eyes on a prize fight, nobody had to tell you. That's a fighter. That's a fighter. Just like the lion. Well, remind me to tell you another time when I came face to face with a mountain lion behind my house while I was Get running. I, I swear on my life. Get out of here. I, all my life. I was a, running. A mountain lion? I was running. Where are you living, I was, man? <laughs> in L.A. I live in the Pacific Valley. I, 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 what I, the hell are you doing did you with see, a lion in your backyard? Did you see a runner in? Uh, <laughs> did you see a runner in Colorado last week? Got attacked by a mountain lion and he fought back and smothered the lion. Rob knows the story. I swear. Listen, I swear on my life. Oh, I'm running. Get this guy on. Can we get him on. <clears throat> yeah. He, oh no, I've seen interviews with him. He's all cut he up. Still, He's got bites on his face. He, when he heals <clears throat> up, can we? I'd love to. But listen, I'm running around the corner, and I see some rocks trickle down from an embankment. This is a true story. I'm not, well, I'm not It can't be made up. This stuff for you. And, 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 a, and a gigantic mountain lion is standing probably 10 feet above me and 10 feet away, so maybe 20 feet away from me. And oh he's looking, God. just staring, looking at me. And we're just looking at each other. And I, had, I, didn't, I hadn't known at the time, if you see a mountain lion, you're not supposed to run away. So luckily, I just stood you and stared that? at each other. Who no, I didn't, I didn't know, but I went home and read, what oh, do you well, do? You <laughs> so you I just went home and read. I just instinctively stared at the lion and he just turned and casually walked away. It was like, when I tell you I was starving. You gotta read that stuff before you run into the lion. If I had gone around the corner and saw a rhino or a giraffe, it wouldn't have been more startling. I mean, I was face to face with an adult lion. And, and you, Minus how, the main, long, how long did you stand with each other? 45 seconds. I have on my um, you know, Garmin greatest, watch. One of the greatest <laughs> stand downs of all time. Freak <laughs> phrase in LA. Greatest stand down. Are you serious? I, I swear. Oh and, and you know what? It was so startling that it didn't even occur to me to be nervous. I was just like, what the F? There's a lion, and there's nothing between us. And he just eventually turned and walked away. I Thank God. Like, oh, it was, I can't even tell you my, my, you my just shock. Did. You just, my I shock. mean, I get it. It was it's crazy. It's a lion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm my. glad he didn't hit me with a hook to the liver. A hook? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Thank God you're Lots ugly. Because <laughs> that's what I think did it. Uh, <laughs> you're good. You're, the, you're good. 
Let's talk about some of the upcoming okay. fights because we talked about Thurman in the, uh, as we've discussed if before. If Ali was that. here, you know what you think? <laughs> He's so ugly, made a line right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe thought there were easier targets coming up later in the trails. Um, we talked about Thurman in the uh, deep welterweight division, and um, there's some big fights coming up in that division. Hey, the we deep got... welterweight, I'm just going to yeah. just interject real yeah. quick. Deep. Yeah. I talked about before, not since the 1980s has that been that deep. Yeah. 1980s was even deeper. I mean, you you talk about Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran. Oh, by the way, one uh, thing about Sugar Ray Leonard, I saw a clip of him. He's 63 years old. I saw a clip on Twitter. He's doing so some plyometrics and got off and started hitting the bag with uh, with no boxing gloves on. He's in great on. shape. You wouldn't believe how fast his hands are. He's 63 years old. Incredible. Well, like one of the, the great fighters of all time. So... But this division now is is as close to that as it's ever been. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite there, but close. I mean, it's so full. But you know what? Another division is not because I have a guy in it, but you know another division that's got a lot of talent, the light heavyweight division. Oh, we're going to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, yeah. go, go. So we got go, the Lions coming. <laughs> we got Porter fighting um, Ugas. And then we've got Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia uh, coming up a week apart. So on March 9th, first we've got Sean You didn't Porter. just say Ugas, did you? <laughs> uh, what, what? How do you pronounce his last name? Ugas. 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 Uh, Cuban. Ugas. Uh, won a bronze medal. Yeah. It's on the famous, famous, uh, legendary Cuban national team. Yeah. You know, so many great fighters from that, from the Cuban teams, amateur teams. Of course, they can't have pros. They have to defect to, to turn pro to come over here. But, um, yeah, that's an interesting fight. Ugas, you know, about 32 years old. He's got three losses, I believe, my memory serves me correct, uh, all to undefeated fighters. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, he obviously knows how to fight, you know, and this is his moment. We talked about Concio's moment. This is his moment. This yeah. is Ugas' moment. This is his moment, baby. Do or die. You know, and Porter's a tough guy, you know, just, just a tough, old-fashioned guy that, you know, comes and puts that physical hurt on you, tries to put it on you. I thought he lost to Mikey Garcia. Again, you people, yeah. take it easy. But I, I did. You're going to get the truth here. Whether, whether, at least what I believe. And I like Sean. He's come to my foundation dinner. Yeah. But I'm not going to hide and say, oh, Sean, I thought you won. But no, I thought he lost the fight. It was close. But he got it. And um, But I saw an improvement in that fight. His father improved him where he used to reach in a lot, Porter. And he's reaching in less where you could time him, where Ugas could time him coming in. Uh, now he doesn't reach in quite as much. You know, he's gotten better in that area, which is very important. Very important. But he's a physical load, big Porter, and, uh, you know, come, he, he, he's coming to get you, you know, for the most part. Uh, and the styles make for a good match for him and Ugas. Yeah, depending on how these um, fights coming up in March go, it'll be interesting because you know that they're all going to be lining up to get Thurman next, right? Because he looked really vulnerable in that fight. So week after the week after the Porter fight, we've got Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia. This is the one I'm really excited to see. Errol Spence By the way, good. not only did Ugas lose three undefeated fighters. Two of the losses were split decisions. That's all. Oh, wow. I just want to say that to the fans out wow. there listening. So you see a three losses. Ah, <clears throat> no, it could easily be one loss or no losses. Yeah. Two of them were split decisions, all to undefeated fighters. Yep. So we got Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia. This one is, uh, this, I'm excited about this fight. Look, Garcia 
It's no suspense. You can make the argument too big, too relentless, too strong. Too good a body puncher. He's a full-fledged welterweight, big welterweight. Uh, he's a truck. He's a load. And, and he knows how to fight. You know, Spence. I mean, he's, yeah. a, he's an Olympian. That means he had 200, 250, 150 fights, whatever the hell. Uh, he's got that pedigree. He knows how to fight. He can counter. He can go get you, you know, everything, whatever. Box a little bit. Um, so that's the first thought. Mikey Garcia moving up from junior welterweight uh, with a full-fledged, big, strong welterweight uh, who can fight, figure it's maybe a bad match for Garcia. Yeah. And you could go down that road. You could also go down this road. Garcia comes from a fighting family. He's undefeated. He's a champion. His brother was a champion. His brother's a Robert, who's his trainer. And he comes, it's in his blood. He was born to be a fighter, to be a champion. Yeah. That's, that's what they talked to at, at dinner table. They didn't talk about mountain lions, you know, <laughs> the, which would be a hell of a topic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But, the, you know, the, he comes from a championship family, sort of boxing family. So it was, it's been in his DNA. It's been in his destiny and his future to, to be a champion. Those guys don't get beat so easy. Yeah. And he's undefeated. He took a layoff a couple of years ago. He, you know, he had that long layoff with promotional management, promotional problems. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah, yeah. He, he took a layoff. He used to use his legs more. I used to say he had the second best legs in boxing behind Lomachenko. He used to use his legs a little more. He don't use them quite as much. Now he sits down a little bit more and he's a, he's a laser puncher. He's a surgeon. He doesn't waste anything, you know. Our grandmothers would love him. You know, he didn't leave nothing on the table. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? You got to eat that. You got to eat that. Can't waste that. Somebody's starving somewhere. Yep. You got to eat that. So he don't waste nothing, Mikey Garcia. He throws it if he thinks he's in position. He's always balanced, always in position. He don't throw unless he thinks he can land. So you need laser punches. You need that temperament and that skill set against a guy as relentless and ferocious as Spence, because if you if you get sloppy, something too fat or too many, you'll be there hanging out too long. Yeah, and he'll catch you. So you got to be a laser guy. You got to be a laser guy. Bye bye. Get out. You know. But he's gonna need those old legs. I think he's gonna need those old legs if he can call them back. Mm -hmm. If he can. If he can. I don't know who you call for that. Hello. Uh, is this eight one eight hundred legs? <laughs> um, I need you guys. Uh, what's the date of that fight? Uh, March 16th. I need you guys March 16th. Uh, if you could be delivered to, uh, where's the fight? Uh, that fight? I'm not sure. Uh, uh, we'll at, have to check our producer. We'll, 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 we'll let you know. We'll let you know later. We'll, we'll, we'll call you up. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know. There's a thing called the internet. We will, uh, <laughs> we need you in we'll, Vegas. We'll get involved with that, but it's out west somewhere. Knees his legs. Um, I because of those things, those two things I said, the the description of obviously Spence and what I just said about Garcia, it makes it interesting. Even though at first blush you say he's outgunned Garcia because of the weight, because of this, yeah. you know, this, the, the size, just what I said, the relentless attack of Spence with a smaller guy. But all the other things I just said about Garcia, you can't count a guy like that out. 
cannot count a guy. What is he, like a three-to-one underdog, I think? Yeah, I think so. Right? You can't count a guy like that out. So you know what? It'll be interesting. The early part of the fight will determine a lot. Can, can Spence get into his body? You know, can he get close? If he can get close, he's got a good chance to win, obviously, to maybe dominate. So I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people like to bet on the fights. Yeah, no, I, I heard about that. <laughs> I, I, that's, I heard, yeah. So we need to like keep you honest here. So with the Sean Porter-Ugas fight, who do you um, who do you like? Well, Porter, I'm sure, is going to be the favorite, but I think it's a good, you know, I'm going to sound like a real, uh, one of these real handicappers yeah, from I'm gonna Vegas. I'm going to keep track of this. Sound, Porter? Sound like one. I think it's a real <laughs> good value play uh, to think about uh, Ugas oh, there. If you can get the right line. All right. That, sound, that sounds good. Vegas like well, right? I need to get more specific. So you think Porter? Assuming the line uh, hypothetically an even line, you're taking Porter, <coughs> and no, by no, decision. No, I'm, I'm saying I, I give if you like underdogs and you, and you know you like value for your play, you might get a value on Ugas, Ugas, or at the end of the day, you might have Ungats, because <laughs> that's what comes with gambling sometimes. And what do you like in the Errol Spence Mikey Garcia fight? I listen. I, yeah, I'd have to go with uh, I'd have to go with Spence. But at the end of the day, if you can get three to one odds on Garcia with everything I just described, with his lineage, you know, his DNA comes from a family of fighters. Uh, he was, he's a champion in his own right. He's undefeated. He he throws laser punches. He's not going to waste anything. So he's not going to get caught up in a firestorm with Spence. So he has some of the tools you need to have a chance against that guy. Again, is he too small? Maybe. But uh, if you like the value play that you're going to get and you're going to get a good value play there, you might get three to one. Maybe it's worth, uh, you know, a couple of trinkets to take a shot at Garcia. At the end of the day, like I said, the guy I expect to have his hand raised is uh, the bigger man, Spence. All right, and then there's one more fight I want to touch on before we bring in the great Alex Vozdich. Um and this is uh, topical. His to name Alex. is Vozik. Vozik. Yeah, it's well, all right. He just, he no just gave me a whole tutorial. No, on it's it. all right. I don't know. That's fine. Well, when he comes on, we're going to talk to him fine. about it because he just won't walk me through. He said he never heard you, someone you in English pronounce it so you don't well. Pronounce, no, you do. Go, you do a great <laughs> job. You do. You do. Uh, <clears throat> sweater and all, but but you don't pronounce the G. So no, that's we're that's, gonna get the exact pronunciation when he gets on here and see who's right. Um, but speaking of Alex, we've got a um, big fight in the light heavyweight division with uh, Dimitri Bevo and Joe Smith Jr. on March 9th. Bevo, you know <clears throat> that light heavyweight division. I talk about the welterweight division, how talented it is, you know, how dangerous it is, how how chock full of ability it is and guys and interesting matches the light heavyweights is right there right there it's just that the names aren't as well known yeah they're not as well known they they will become <laughs> alex uh, vozik will become more well known he's fighting on espn people will get to know him uh and see what he is as a human being as a fighter but um the light heavyweight division is full of talent with with those champions that are all there and guys that are right under them it's it's got a lot of talent in that division Bevo against smith well Bevo is a guy that had a lot of amateur fights 
And a lot of people thought when he, I think it was a misconception when he was first coming up that he was just a sick and destroy, you know, knock down buildings guy. Yeah. That was just going to knock. He's more than that. He's a boxer. He knows how to box. Anybody who has a lot of amateur fights usually and, and is at a good level, they're more than just a strong guy. And he's more than just a strong guy. He, he knows how to box. He knows how to control distance. He, he knows what makes sense. He knows how. He understands the approach that makes sense yeah. inside that place. So he can do a lot of things. He can fight inside. He can fight outside. He's strong. Smith can only do one. I'm taking nothing away from Smith. Yeah. He's an earnest guy. He's a, he's a blue-collar fighter. I think uh, he works full-time as a construction guy. Yeah, he's beautiful. Guy. He's like Concio. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, really, he, yeah. he's, a, he's what makes this part of what makes this sport great and where you cheer for guys like him. Yeah. He's tremendous. Mm -hmm. He's a tough, physically strong guy, but he doesn't have the dimensions that Bevel does right. or that kind of experience from the amateurs. He don't have that. He can do one thing. He can bring the physical game to you for the most part. Yeah. And um, he'll be there. But Bevo is, I think, two-dimensional for him. And at the end of the day, it, Bevo will have his way. And that's, that's a fight that's probably prohibitive from betting on because yeah. Bevo will probably be just what I described him to yeah. be, you know, prohibitive in the line of betting. Yeah. Well, that's a different matchup against his um, Joe Smith's last fight. I think his last fight, if it wasn't his last fight, it was two fights ago when he beat... Um, um, Bernard Hopkins badly, yeah. and I'm sure that Hopkins probably brought him in thinking he was an opponent. And uh, Joe Smith made a mistake. Up. Somebody yeah. gave him bad advice on yeah, the guy for sure. Because was, and I'm being serious because at, at the age that Hopkins is at, uh, this guy was too physical was too, for him. I, it was the wrong. He he probably got bad advice. I bet you I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't really watch him a lot. He just knew what he thought he knew about him. Yep, yeah. and it was wrong. Yeah. And when you're 50, uh, you're wrong. You pay for it. Yep. That brings us to um, the champ. The champ is here. I've been waiting to say that for a couple of weeks now. The champ is here. <laughs> Alex, pronounce your last name for us to settle this dispute between Teddy and I. That's uh, Gvozdik. Gvozdik. That's exactly what I said, Teddy. You were right. You're right. <laughs> Yeah. G is not really silent, but <laughs> that's, that's what you get. You get a. Uh, I have to point out that um, we had to twist uh, Alex's arm to get the belt here. We actually sent him home to get it because uh, he's such a humble guy. He dared to show up without. I told him if that were my belt, I'd be wearing it to hold it's a up my pants. Belt. I mean, it's, it's something yeah. to be very proud. It's a. Beautiful. It represents a lot of lot of years, a lot of hard work, yep. a lot of hard work. And we're gonna get into ten that. years old. He started. Yeah. And I'm dying to hear about all the emotions involved with winning the belt. And, and we'll look at the people that. on there. Ali, you know, there's Alex right there. Yeah. Roy Jones, Michael Spinks. Michael Spinks, one of the great light heavyweights of all time. He, he fits on a list. Yeah. He fits, you know, I, I go and favor a lot of the old-time fighters. The, you guys out there know that. Um, but from that era where you had 300 fights, 200 fights, fighting all the best fighters, fighting the best fighters. And, um, but... Spinks fits on that list. He was a great light heavyweight and a great puncher and an Olympic champ too. Olympic champion and uh, tremendous puncher. Spinks Jinks, you know, yeah. the, the right hand. Uh, his brother, two brothers that won titles. But uh, yeah, he, he was he was a heck of a fighter. 
Well, Alex, thank you for taking the time to join us. I know it's your uh, day off today, so we really appreciate it. And before we started, Alex said he was a little bit nervous about uh, being interviewed. And I said, look, at the end of the day, no one here is going to punch you in the face. So (laughs) nothing to be nervous about. So anyway, thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Um, Can you talk to us about how did you initially get into boxing? Was it was anyone in your family boxing walk us through like the first day you walked into the gym you know actually my father he used to box a little bit probably a couple years and he has maybe like 10 amateur fights and he always like tried to you know make me interested into boxing he he brought me uh boxing gloves when i was about five years old i remember we were just uh handing out with all those gloves using just one Somebody got a left one, somebody else just right, and we we were fighting on the streets with my friends. And then I actually came first to the kickboxing mm-hmm. because uh, uh, I tempt I I was tempting more like for something oriental, some some kung fu and karate style. Mm-hmm. And I saw the movie Kickbox Kickboxer with yes. uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, yeah. and uh, I came to a section of kickboxing. I was thinking it's gonna be something like in a movie all these movies and stuff but eventually when i came there i saw a little bit that it's a little little bit different yeah and i just decided to try starting from kickboxing probably i trained just for kickboxing for a couple months and then i switched for boxing but anyways uh until i think 2007 i had uh, i was fighting kickboxing too yeah so i have about uh, 40 fights. 40 kickboxing fights? Yes. Oh my God. <clears throat> amateur fights? Yes, okay. amateur, of course. But I'm not a great uh, kicker, you know, like I always use my arms. I can already what hear the I MMA think? guys waiting for the, to challenge you in the UFC. No, I don't think so. I, I think I'm a bad wrestler. <laughs> I have no chances there. <laughs> so you were doing kickboxing, you were fighting amateur kickboxing and boxing. And at what point did you focus purely on uh, boxing? No, I think it's happened early when I, when I was about 11 years old. I was uh, training only about one year. I just did these fights because, you know, I mean, sometimes... You had 40 fights before you were 11, did you say? No, no, no. Oh. I mean, 40 fights was to 2007. Oh, okay. But I mean, I, I, I combined boxing and kickboxing. Oh, okay. I was focused on the boxing, but because I was <clears throat> studying in university, sometimes they demanding you to fight on some like um, competitions between the universities and okay. stuff. They get in some points because of that. So they, I, w- I wouldn't say force me, but when you uh, take part in these competitions, they give you some, let's say, discount on the uh, exams and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I did it. We know about discounts on exams in America. <laughs> there's a lot of discounts going on, Congressman. There's a lot of buffers. Uh, yeah. The family has a lot of buffers, family. Yeah. Uh, Congressman, a lot of buffers. A lot of discounts going on in America. The same in Ukraine. And what age were you when you started to notice that this could be a path that you wanted to pursue and, and the Olympics become, start to come into view? And You know, it, was, um, it, it wasn't right away. When I came to the gym, first my goal was just to just to get stronger, you know, mm-hmm. just to be able to protect myself, be tougher among the, my classmates and stuff. Yeah. But then my first trainer, he told me, hey, you, you're going to be a great puncher. That's what he told me probably when I was 
12 years old. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's how it happened. Then was a difficult times when I met my current wife, but she, she wasn't my wife at that time. Then she got pregnant with this guy here. And, uh, you know, Sorry. I think, Sorry. I think I'm a responsible person. I'm supposed to earn money yeah. to, you know, to how to call it, maintain my family or, you yeah, know, to yeah, be, yeah. to be a real husband. Yeah. So that's why it was like a little short retirement. Yeah. So I go working and then maybe in uh, six months I came back to the gym because I f f first I start to combining the working and training. What were you doing for work? I work in as a security in a nightclub. Okay. So at night I was standing there working, then going to the gym. Yeah. First it was just to, you know, just to stay in shape, yep. just to not get fat and stuff. <laughs> and then, uh, we decided that, uh, I'm going to fight on the regional, not regional, the championship of my town. Mm -hmm. It's a small championship. Yeah. So, uh, I fought there and I, 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 I got a first place. Yeah. And they say, now you, you can go for national championship. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why not? It was the same scenario. I was, uh, uh working at night, then, uh, training in the morning. And then eventually I won the national championship and they say like, now you're going to go to a world uh, university. Not it wasn't university. It was world championship between the universities okay. in Russia. And then after that, I decided to quit my job and be focused more on, on the boxing. And then I go there, I won a gold medal there. Wow. And after that, you know, I'm realized that probably it would be stupid not to try, you know, to realize myself as a boxer, not as yeah. just a bouncer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it happened. And then you started training uh, full-time as an amateur. And how many <sighs> years from that point did it take to get to the Olympics? Well, I came to the gym in 1997, mm -hmm. the first time. And it also was a preparation because I, 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 I have a, a lot of amateur fights before I go to Olympics. And then, uh, I would have been three times national champion and we, we went to world championship in, uh, Azerbaijan, Baku. Yeah. And I lost to Olympic champion of London, Yegor Mikonsov mm -hmm. in the quarterfinals, but I got a license for, for Olympic games. Oh, okay. How it calls permission. So that was whatever. like their uh, version of uh, Olympic trials, basically. Yes, maybe. Okay. This is how it happens in Europe. That's it. And then I go in the Olympic Games and won a bronze medal. You got robbed, by the yeah. way. I, I called those fights and I watched the fight afterwards. And this was 2012 in London? Yeah. And not because, again, my, hopefully my reputation for saying what I believe to be true means something and has meant something. Even when I say it with people that I'm friendly with and I say things that they don't like to hear mm -hmm. and could hurt my friendship or, mm. or could be a situation for myself that is not convenient on ESPN that not everyone likes to hear. But I'll say it if I believe it to be the truth and, uh, there's no doubt, not only did he get robbed, he won every round. But that's part of the politics of uh, Olympic boxing, amateur boxing. 
Yeah, we could have a whole other show on that I mean, this guy here, Roy Jones, <clears throat> tremendous fighter, tremendous, obviously great champion, one of the most athletic fighters of all time, uh, could punch, could box. I mean, he was tremendous. Uh, he, he's the closest thing in some ways to Ali, and there's no Ali, don't get me wrong, there's, there's no one who's Ali, but he did a lot of things wrong, like Ali used to do wrong, not textbook, where he pulled back from punches, where he dropped his hands, and he depended on his instincts, on his speed, on his reflexes, and he did one of the things that very few guys can do. He made wrong things right. He made wrong things right, just like Ali did. But then when you get older, you pay a price for that when your reflexes and your technique isn't there to back it up when your reflexes start to fail you. Yeah. That's why a guy like James Tony could fight later in life, even though physically he abused himself, but he could fight later because his technique was good. He didn't have the skill sets and the timing and the reflexes of a Roy Jones, but later on, his technique kept him in the game where Roy Jones didn't have the technique. At that point, he depended on his skills of what I just said, speed and everything else. But tremendous athlete, tremendous, obviously, champion, and tremendous amateur. He got robbed. And we talk about Holyfield getting robbed, yeah. another guy. Well, we don't talk about you know him because we don't know him. Yeah, you, that's right. You're getting to know him now. Yeah. Uh, he got robbed. And it hurt just as much as it hurt those guys. Yeah. You know, because he could have been with the other two guys getting a gold medal. Yeah. Uh, Lomachenko and, and um, Yusik. Yep. But bronze is pretty darn good. Yeah. Pretty darn good. How many people could say they did that? And so he got has that, and now he's got the biggest medal of all, this one. We're going to get to that. The um, <clears throat> You mentioned uh, Usyk and um, Lomachenko. That must have been a hell of an Olympic team. Those are yeah. three current world champions. By the medals, we, we got a team in the first place. In the boxing, teams. yeah. It's not official, but yeah, yeah. we got um, most of the medals on this tournament. Well, that's I quite mean, an accomplishment Ukrainian considering team. the controversy surrounding Azerbaijan. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think one of the guys from, um, from Azerbaijan got dropped, um, five times by a Japanese fighter and still won. I was just in the first round. <laughs> I know that people are going to think like, oh, he's full of crap. That didn't really happen. Yep. That happened. He I called could, the fight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it sure did happen. It was terrible. I heard that a lot of judges being fired after yeah. this uh, championship yeah. Yeah. tournament. Only because we called them out on it. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been no problem because they did what they wanted to do. But when they got caught out on it and the light was shined on it, it was a little uncomfortable. Yeah, didn't they send you to call the fight in the broom closet for the gold medal rounds? Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other topic. But uh, how was the uh, reception back in um, Ukraine when you guys came back? Were you uh, like a local celebrity in your town? Did your um, life change at all? Yes, it was like that. And also there was a situation, you know, of course, a lot of people met us. It was the flowers. It was the music. You know, all the politicians <laughs> want to met us because we got lucky because uh, it was an uh, election in Ukraine right after Olympic Games, probably in a couple months. And you know, the Olympians, all the team who come in, all the politicians try to be nice for us, you know, yeah. to get more more votes for them. So yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they give us uh, some gifts, <laughs> some good presents, you know, like there's a, I think it's here it's too, like if in Ukraine or Russia, whatever, all the post-Soviet Union countries, when you get a, some good results for your country, like Olympic Games or World Championships, normally the government 
gives you the some living space, some, yeah. some apartment or house, whatever. And of course, yes. And of course, at this point, when it's uh, before the elections, yeah. they know they're supposed to do their work to, you know, to get that voters for them. Yeah, so yeah. we got everything, even even more, even, yeah, you know, yeah. above, above and beyond. Yeah. After Olympics. And of course, uh, they, they, you know, like did a lot of interview and people start, uh, you know, recognizing us on the street. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're going to recognize you a lot more now, but we'll get into that in a minute. How'd All you right. come to get in touch with um, Teddy? Uh, first, initially, uh, I was working with a great lawyer, David Berlin. And uh, David is, they are good friends with Teddy. Yep. And at, at some point in my boxing career, I started feeling that I need, uh, something, change something and to make another step forward. And, uh, this how I uh, met Teddy and who can, who know better than Teddy how to do this. Mm -hmm. I think Teddy is a really smart, uh, very considering to small details, which is other than not, I mean, the trainers. So I think. Teddy is the person who can bring me, who already brought me to, to this belt. Yeah. I can tell you for sure, uh, I wouldn't do this without it, Teddy, because this was so strong, uh, mental preparation, preparation of uh, concentration. So this is all those parts which some, some, which is a lot of trainers didn't do at all. And I think for myself, maybe, f maybe if, for somebody else, it's not that important, but for me, it's really important because this is, uh, this is what was not enough in my style, in me as a boxer. Yeah. So, and Teddy gave me that. What are some of the examples of things that Teddy's been doing for you that you hadn't done in the past? You know, in the past, I was more focused on uh, physical conditions, you know, like I was thinking, as more you do and it's better for you. So I never thought how to do, you know, I, I remember I was, I was watching one interview of Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. and he, he told that I'm training in the gym with the same guys. We're doing exactly the same exercises and they, you know, looks like no good, let's say. And, but they doing exactly the same as I do. The point is that when I'm doing, I'm thinking about what I'm doing and I'm thinking about every fiber of my muscle and this is gives, giving me uh, the better result. This is kind of like the same, you know, like when you're thinking about your every move, every wrong move, which after you can be punished or, you know, countered. So this is, it gives you the best result. This is what Teddy gives me. And you and I had spoke earlier, um, spoken earlier about the, um, the Adonis Stevenson fight when you won the belt. And we'll, we'll talk more about the moment when you won the belt. But one of the things that I found interesting during the fight is it was a very competitive fight. And I think when you actually knocked him out, they had you behind on the scorecards. Yeah. And I think it was in, was it the 10th round where he hit you with a big punch and yes. knocked you back into the ropes? And I remember watching the fight and thinking like, oh, come on, Alex, rally back. But I thought that that showed like the heart of a champion because that guy can punch and that was a big shot. What was going through your head when you went back into the ropes and describe to me like the feelings that you were having? Did you have a moment of like, holy shit, that, that, <laughs> he rung my bell or 
Talk me through it. Honestly, it's terrible. You know, you, you, I'm start thinking like, oh my goodness, I was working so hard all this, not only these two months, all my life for yeah. this moment, and now it could be over in one second. Like I was thinking, you know, like I supposed to psych it up and do something running around. And then I got better and I think I did a good response in the end of the round number 10. And I think I'm really discouraged him after that because he was thinking I'm finished after all this, uh, after, after his punch because I, I was really wobbled. But then when you couldn't finish me and I, you know, uh, have a really good counter, I really counter him really good. Yeah. I think he was done even before the round number 11. I saw, uh, the tape after and when he came to his corner, his trainer told him like, come on, finish this guy. He already done. Yeah. But actually he was done yeah. mentally at first because he wasn't ready. He was thinking because he used his, uh, biggest strength and it didn't work. And he just got discouraged again, I guess. And 11th round, I've, I felt something, you know, like I felt that this is a time when I supposed to do my work. And I hope I did. What did Teddy say to you when you came back to the, between the 10th and 11th after that punch? I remember he told me like, uh, like uh, this is just a uh, six minutes, which could change your further 30 or 40 years of your life. This was the key. I don't remember exactly how it was, but this is what I remember. It was, was, so I'm thinking like, 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 like people say do or die, you know, like yeah. you're supposed to do it right now or why you're doing all, all, all of this stuff. Yeah. You know? And Teddy, what went through your mind when he took that shot and came back to the ring? When, when, when the punch landed and you saw him go back to the ropes, were you thinking like, oh shit, don't please stay on your feet? <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> His character came true, you know. You touched on it, it sounds cliche-ish, you know, the heart of a champion, the character of a champion. On ESPN for 22 years calling fights, I used to talk about the behavior of a fighter, the ability to behave like a fighter when the moment calls for you to behave like a fighter, like a champion. He behaved like a fighter. I mean, he, he found a way to survive it. And um, that's his character. And But it was it was it was something that... We prepared against for eight weeks and something that I was worried about all the time. No secret, because I don't keep secrets from my fighter, because if you do, how are you going to prepare for a fight? You, you, you have to have a fighter that's smart and talented and experienced enough and, you know, disciplined enough to understand and mature enough to understand you're telling them the truth. <clears throat> and um, that's him. And so I was scared... The reason I was on him so much and I had such a definitive fight plan and an idea for that fight plan for this fight, I knew what we were facing. There was no illusions. I, uh, we were facing, to me, the hardest puncher in the game. Yeah, him, like I said, him or Wilder yeah. for one punch. And yeah. one of the hardest punches you're ever going to see in this game for, for the left hand and, and a southpaw. Mm. And experience. Yeah. And a champion Very with confidence. Yeah. And a champion that's been champion almost six years with confidence. Yeah. And um and in his hometown. And so, you know, the thing we trained for and trained against was not to get caught with that left hand, not to make one mistake. Every yeah. day. Every day. It wasn't like one day, yeah, you know what, I'll <laughs> I'll I'll take off today, I won't say anything. No, no. I was scared every day yeah. in, a, in a proper way yeah. because I have a responsibility. 
And um, I knew what to do about it. I didn't just stand in my room and, oh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's different. But I just, just like a fighter. But I knew what to do. I knew what we needed to prepare. And I wanted to make sure he knew. And he knew. And um, matter of fact, I'll tell you something interesting because he's a special kid. That, that I believe in talking to my fighters. I believe the day of the fight to take a walk and talk. <clears throat> and we took a walk at breakfast. And I have been talking to him through the whole camp yeah. about the, generally the same things. But this was the day of. This is the moment. And I took a walk with him. And we're walking. It was cold. You know, we're in Quebec. We had our coats. And um, I said to him, there's going to come a moment tonight. I can't tell you exactly when it's going to come. But there's going to come a moment. And you're going to have to overcome this. You overcome it, you'd be champion of the world. But it's not going to come without a moment. There will be a moment. And that was the moment. And it was like, oh, you know, like I said, we got to 10 rounds. We couldn't skip it. <laughs> but there it is. And this is the moment. I, I remember looking and said, that's the moment. And um, he handled it. He handled it. That's why he's champion of the world. And that's what I want to ask you about more than anything. I've been dying to ask you these questions because just looking at the belt, I get chills as a boxing fan just to think about being the champion of the world, the WBC champion. What did you feel? What, what was going through your head? Well, first, talk me through the finish. So he has you hurt between the 10th and 11th. You come back, talk to Teddy, come out for the 11th. Could you see that he was defeated? Was there anything you saw in his face that said like, oh man, I didn't put him away with that punch and now I'm like in trouble? Walk me through the last round. I don't know, I just feel something inside of me that it's time to work harder, to throw more punches, you know, like, and I could see in Stevenson eyes, so he was discouraged and he was not the same as previous 10 rounds. Yeah. So he started to be, you know, like slower. It's, it's difficult to explain, but you feel in something when you can start work harder when it's time, you know, and I felt that the, the time, this time is came, yeah. you know, and I'm supposed to start working which I did and which was successful and just nice. And after everything happened, you cannot really realize right away what happened. Yeah. It just happened and you, 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 it's difficult to explain the feelings, you know, because you're feeling you happy and the same time you have no idea what's going on, you know? Like, yeah. And, and all these feelings, they come in probably a couple of days later when you realized everything was everything, you know, calm down in your, in your mind. And then you finally realize that now you're a world champion. It was unbelievable to watch just the fact that, like Teddy said, you overcame that big punch. You came back, you won in impressive fashion. Um, and just to see you now sitting here with the belt after the Olympics and all the um, kind of uphill battle because, <clears throat> look, you were going into his hometown fighting the champion. I mean... They had you behind on the cards. I mean, it was set up to be a big disappointing night for you. And to see you come out with the belt is just, um, I don't know. I get, uh, chills just looking at it. Thank you. It's, it's uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm happy too. <laughs> <laughs> Has it sunk in now that when you look at it, do you think like you realize, yeah, I'm the champ? Does that ever go through your head? Like I'm the best in the world right now. Yeah. That's true. It's unbelievable. Well, you've got a lot of, uh, <laughs> you've got a lot of competition on the horizon, but it's nice to take a minute to appreciate the hard work that you've done. 
I know, I know for myself sometimes like the losses outweigh any wins, whatever, in whatever area of, of my life. But sometimes it's important to take a minute to appreciate what you've accomplished. So I hope you're getting a chance to do that. And, uh, I know Teddy lives and dies with, uh, with every moment of the fight. And, you know, I live right down the street. I say to him, Oh, come over for dinner, Teddy. Come watch the Super Bowl. Come to the, no. He doesn't leave camp. He won't come. You can't get him out of that hotel room other than to come back and forth to the gym. So at least right now, it's, for me, it's not embarrassing to tell people that I'm a boxer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least I, I, got, I got something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Because you're telling people you're a fighter. Unless you're uh, like Mike Tyson, the average person just doesn't understand. Like, oh, okay. You know? But now you're the world yeah. champion. And a uh, big fight coming up in uh, at the end of March right. in Philadelphia. Correct. Yeah, it's gonna be a title defense against a French guy, a really decent opponent. So we're uh, focusing on him right now and training hard in the gym. Mm -hmm. So we are working on a new strategy with Teddy made for me against this guy, mm -hmm. and uh, I hope we'll be ready March 30th. Yeah. How how soon before the fight do you get to Philadelphia? Week. We'll we'll leave here. I'm planning on having us leave here on the Sunday before the fight. Fights this Saturday. Mm -hmm. Leave here on the Sunday. Travel on an off day. Go across the country. Uh, it's what we did last time. Mm -hmm. It worked. And um, get there. You know, all the hard training is over. All the sparring is over. We don't have to worry about none of that stuff. Travel over there and. Uh, get acclimated, you know, over there to the time and rest and just finish up the training for the last few days, light training and mostly making the weight, you know, and being uh, mentally and physically ready for that night. We, like the old timers would say, when we get on that plane, we go over there, it's all over but the shooting, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, does your family travel with you to the fight? No, never. And my wife, she never saw my fight personally. I mean, being there yeah, yeah. in the arena, she always looking deep. I don't want <clears throat> this thing happens, you know, because uh, she getting really nervous. And I yeah. can see when she knows result and she looking on tape, you know, she, she cannot behave herself normally. <laughs> she just screaming and like, oh my God, oh my God. I can't imagine because... You know, when she feels bad, I start feeling bad. Yeah. I know when she's going to be nervous, it's going to be reflecting on myself. Yeah. And I wanted all this before the fight. Yeah. All business work trip to Philadelphia. Excuse me? It's all business. Yeah. It's a work trip. Yes, correct. <laughs> no correct. <spouses>. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, great. Well, we're excited to watch you fight on the uh, 30th and uh, look forward for more things to come from you. And thanks for coming by. I really appreciate it. And thanks for going home thank to get the Thank you for belt. inviting. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank yeah, thank you. I mean, thank you for coming out here, all you guys, Rob and you. I mean, for you, it wasn't too far, but so we could get another podcast in before camp. You know, we're gonna, I'm going to be gone with Alex eight weeks. It's been two weeks. We got six more to go. And rather than let this go into the, you know, Hibernation. Bears hibernate. Podcasts don't hibernate. So well, we, uh, you know, the great Rob uh, said, hey, let's do one. 
that's the one in camp. At first, I was a little bit hesitant about it yeah. because I get nervous about anything taken away for to think about anything other than a fight. But I'm glad we did it. It made sense. Yeah. And I hope you guys out there listening and subscribing, I know you are, please, <laughs> I hope. Um, I hope you guys are glad that we didn't let eight weeks go by and we kept it going. We got one in and then we'll keep it going when I get back after the fight. You yep. know, we'll keep this thing going. Yep. And um, you uh, have your licorice. You know, I'd like you to do one thing yeah. as this would be a nice closing. <laughs> I think it would be a great closing, yeah, yeah. actually. It just came to me. Um, maybe came to me a little while earlier. <laughs> but I want you to... And we'll say goodbye to everybody until next time. Spar with Alex? No. no I, I want you to be here next time. I, I want you to continue with this show. Yeah. Fight on one All right? <laughs> but I, I just want you to... Oakland Raiders, my son's team, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. He's the scouting coordinator of the Raiders. <laughs> and they're going to they're gonna come back. And they're going to Vegas and all that stuff. But they're going to come back. They're going to be strong. And they're one of the iconic franchises in the NFL. You agree? Yeah. I mean, look at that. I mean, where do you get that kind of, you know, shield and insignia? Uh, other than, I mean, the, really, other than a, the Patriots, the I mean, Raiders are so, really good. So <laughs> I, I want to go off the air with my favorite shirt. Yeah. And I want you... I will turn my back, and not in a disrespectful way, yeah. in a respectful way. And we will go off the air with you reading what I think is the greatest song of any franchise, of, of any team. I mean, I don't care if it's Notre Dame. I don't care if it's USC. I don't care if it's Michigan, whatever. But I want you to, you don't have to sing it, but I'd like you to read the fight song of the great Oakland Raiders, Autumn right. Wind. Give it to me. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you got a novel on your back. The Autumn Wind is a pirate blustering in from the sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head. And a bristling black mustache, he growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. All the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you around and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Thank you, Rob. That Was that written great. by Jesse Itzler? <laughs> the great is, team, that is, that team fight great. songwriter? Is this their anthem? That's their song, yeah. That's 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 their their song uh, that they they go with, and I appreciate you doing it. You did a good job with it. Oh, thank you. And that's a I can't think of a better way to go off the air. Yep. And I right? just say, please, if you like the show, and even if you don't, subscribe, leave a review. And I was telling Rob, we uh, the reviews really help us. And as Teddy might say, even the bad ones, yes, even the bad ones help us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just win, baby. <laughs> Just win. That's a wrap. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, man. Bye.